Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Good morning. This is my friend Reginald. We hosted a breakfast this morning, and he had a beautiful testimony and a story that occurred this morning because he was coming to church. He had shared it with my wife. They prayed together, and he then pulled me aside and was thanking me. That so happy that my wife prayed for healing for him. But I just want to read a quick scripture. After Jesus had risen, he had gone to the eleven, and they weren't being very faithful. And he said to them, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And this is the part right here. And these signs and wonders will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues, new creations. So this morning, I'm going to have him tell his story. I'll hold the flame. Yes, good morning, good morning. Uh, You wouldn't believe in sin how great our God is. I'm just in awe. I am in awe. I've been in a wheelchair since last year. Was, I got out of the hospital in February of this year. I have a deteriorating disc in my back, and my L4 and 5 is dislocated. And they told me I'd have to be in that wheelchair. And they didn't give me a certain amount of time, but I told them, I said, well, Lord, it's hard for me to witness and wheel at the same time because I got to hold the mic. So uh, I just That's what I'm here for. I'll hold the mic. Good job. Am I doing all right? Oh, you're doing awesome. Thank you, man. And, and, and I just, I'm just in awe about the ministry that God has called me to be a part and going out to hedges and highways and compelling men and women to come in and to hear about the goodness of Jesus and just being a part of the manifestation that God is, yeah. is really, he's still in the healing business. Yeah. Uh, they told me I wouldn't be able to walk, but you're looking at me. And this ain't a Facebook picture. And I want you to really tell him what happened this morning, what he told you, and how obedient and faithful you were, what he told you to do this morning. Well, which part? When you uh, said that he came, he told you to leave your wheelchair. Oh, I, oh, yeah, by the way, I, I didn't take the wheelchair back to the hospital. I left it at the bus depot down there. So. This morning he did that. But maybe, maybe somebody who needs a ride, they don't have to pay for a fare. There you you go. Know? So, um, and, I'm, and I'm a part of uh, some great men and women down at the ministry here. And, and, and right now, God is just showing me a sabbatical in my life that he's taking me away. I've lost all my immediate family uh, the last two years, mother, father, brother, everyone. But, but I know one thing, in ministry, it can get lonely sometimes. Yeah. So, so I thank God for the word of God. And, and, and I said yesterday that I needed to go to church. Didn't know how I was going to get there, where I was going to go, but he knew. Yes, sir. And the young man, Josh, yes. yes. Josh told me, he said, well, you say you want to go? I said, yes. He said, uh, well, we're walking. I looked at <laughs> that one, buddy. I walked five steps and I stopped. So he said, I'll tell you what. If I go get my car, can you meet me on the outside, and I'll take you to church? I said, I'll do you one better than that. I'll beat you to that spot by the time you come back. <laughs> That's great. And surely I was there waiting on him. Yeah. And, and having the prayer 
I'm just in awe. To have kids serve me, I'm supposed to be one to have children serve you. That's the presence of God. And I've commended them this morning. I've thanked them for starting out earlier. Some George Myers in here and, you know, some Joe Osteen's. And I'm working, I'm willing to read that book. I'm waiting on it. And as I was coming over, seeing a lot of people leaving, this is the meal that I came for. That's it. Because through this week, this is what's going to take me out. Yeah. That I may be able to witness to someone else and minister to them. Hey, man, I was a part of, you know what I mean? I'm, I've never felt the love and the presence of God. Amen. You know, no one came to me and snuggled down. Everyone wanted to talk, and I know it just wasn't enough time. You know, so I'm, I'm grateful for that, and I thank you for allowing me to be here. And the next time, I promise you, by the grace of God, I'll be running next time. All right, I won't be walking this slow. Amen, amen. That was great. Let me pray. Let me pray. That's a beautiful story. Father God, I just pray for testimonies. I pray for more bold testimonies in this church, in this kingdom. Father God, I pray over Reginald uh, that he is in this process of healing, um, and he is already healed. And he came for a hunger of a, of a meal, but he came hunger for more. He came hungry for you in Jesus' name. Father, I just pray over this church that we could be as bold to step out, to get off of our couches, get out of our chairs and go tell people what's happened because testimonies will create more testimonies. So as testimonies leave this room, as leaves this church and heads out into the street, lives are being changed. Darkness does not reign any longer in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Hey, Remy. Hey. How's it going? Good. I'm going to yell. Is it that? Have a microphone. <laughs> Sorry. Brent walked away with the microphone. It's always awesome. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Akeem. I'm making jokes. This I shouldn't. One, this one's better, I think. You're going to just preach from the pew there, Brent. <laughs> so, so, good morning, everyone. Um, um, I'm just so glad. Thank you. Is it Reginald? Did I say your name right? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And any of your friends, Reginald, we're just so happy that you came to be here and part of what we're doing this morning. So thank you. And thank you to the people because I know people were here like I got here at about eight or a bit before eight. There's people here before me just setting up and doing all kinds of stuff to serve. So thank you to all you people who did that. But um, you're just so welcome here. All right. So uh, cry actually. You're so, so welcome here, right? I always just welcome here. Yeah, there's a family here that just always is going to have outstretched arms, open hands for you guys. And uh, okay, we're going to start talking, but uh, let's do this first. Let's stand to your feet. Everyone stand to your feet. I like to do this, I like to just start with prayer, right? Um, we've been praying and we've been worshipping, but it's also really good to just start, if, start preaching in, with prayer too. So lift your hands to heaven. As high as you can, right? It's the surrender. It's the surrender to Jesus, you are my all. So Jesus, you are our all. You are our all. You reign above it all like that last song. You reign above it all. We love you this morning, Jesus. We declare you as the Lord over our hearts, our families, this church, this city, the cities all around about us. And we say you are God and you reign supreme. You reign above it all. Our future is in your hands. The universe, you hold it all together. It's all yours and you are good and you are, you are absolutely good. You do good in our lives. Even if we can't see it, you're still in the details and you're still doing good. And so we align our hearts with who you are, Father. You are a good, absolutely good Father, always, and you never change. 
And we declare that this morning over you, over our hearts and come into line with who you are in spite of our circumstances and in spite of what we can see or can't see, in spite of what we might have to walk through. If it's a valley that's gross and hard, it doesn't matter because you're there with us. So we just say we trust you, God. We just love you this morning. Amen. 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 Okay. So um, I'm talking this morning uh, about uh, saying yes to God. And um, uh, we started just last week, actually the week before, just talking about, oh, sorry, please let your kids go. There's, we do have childcare out there. Um, don't let them go, like take them out there. <laughs> so, um, we, we started just talking about worship and um, what it means to be a worshipper as the core, the core identity of the believer is as a worshipper, right, is to bring glory to God, to bring honor to God and to reflect off our hearts and off our faces His glory. The more we behold Him and look at Him, we start to be changed and become like Him and reflect more of the glory of our lives back to Him, right? It's the purpose of our lives is to be worshippers. And so there's a lot of, we sang songs and we do that together all the time. But um, that's only one part of what it means to be a worshipper. The singing, and it's a very important part, like it's important, sing, like lift your voice, worship, praise, thankfulness, gratitude, lift it, right? That's, but it's only one part of worship. And today we're just going to talk about another part of worship, which is a life of obedience. Our lives of just saying yes, the continual yes to God is part of our obedience, and um, so um, I'm going to put this down because I don't have, it's like not enough space. <laughs> so before I even do that, I'm going to ask people to do something in a minute, right? So I'm going to ask anybody from Virginia Beach to stand up and in a minute, and I'm going to say everyone from Chesapeake, stand up, everyone from Norfolk, stand up, because I'd like people in this room to see the other people that are from your city, right? Because we do, we meet here in Norfolk. But we meet in other parts of, the, of Hampton Roads as well. And I know it's helpful to see other people that might be from your area. So even before we get started with the meeting, if you, with the message, if, you, if you're from Chesapeake, if you're in the Chesapeake area, can you just stand up? Because we like to just have eyeball, right? Great. I didn't even know you guys are in Chesapeake. Chesapeake, Chesapeake, Chesapeake over here. And we do have a few more people that aren't here this morning. But I've got a reason to be doing this, right? So... It's part of the message. It's all right. right. All right. Thank you. All right. So you, you saw each other, right? <laughs> like Chesapeake, my Chesapeake people. Okay. If you're from Virginia Beach, can you stand up on your feet so the people in the Virginia Beach area? Woo! If I do, if I... Okay. Okay. There's, there's a lot of you. You can't even eyeball each other. <laughs> so, so, all right. All right. Uh, can we do... Can we do... Have a... Uh, can we have uh, the Norfolk people now, just so the Norfolk people can see? Norfolk people, so welcome. It's great, great. Thank you, so thank you. <laughs> and I, I actually did that this morning. It was um, beautiful. Peggy's, Peggy wanted to know, who else is from Chesapeake, right? And so I said, I, I got gotcha. you. I'll help you see who else in the, in the meeting is from your area. And, and part of my wanting to do that for Peggy and for anyone else who's here, we have, um, we have meetings in different nights and different days throughout the week, nighttime, morning, lunchtime. And um, we're looking, like if you want to start a house church, it's good to see who else is in the meeting on Sundays that might want to join with you, right? And might want to say, yes, I'm in. 
uh, because just the more places that just open up their homes or the more people that open up their homes to, to host or to lead a Bible study actually just puts, uh, is, understand what I'm saying, it, it actually puts more ability for God to land more people with us because we've just presented my house, my home, my heart, I'll do a Bible study. And so what that means is God goes, great, I've got five people in your neighborhood in Chesapeake. You just was waiting for you to open up your house, right? And so that's the way the spontaneous expansion of the church happens, is I just, I'm going to just start a lunchtime Bible study in my workplace. Um, okay. This is part of saying yes. It's just part of saying yes, part of stepping up and saying, I'm going to be responsible to get to know the people in my area. And if it means partnering with some people in my church, like Chesapeake people or Virginia people, um, it's just uh, one more way that we can um, be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so it's not really part of my message, but I did want to do that to, so people can go, I can jump into this. I can jump into having hosting a Bible study, a house church. I can jump into doing a Bible study, I said, at lunch, wherever. Um, so... Okay, so here, here's where I want to start really with saying yes. So two Sundays ago, and I think whoever was here and saw this, that you'll remember, I got up and went, oh, we're starting a school, <laughs> homeschool, and my husband went, oh, are we? <laughs> so so he'd know, he knew, he knew, he just wasn't, the, the announcement timing wasn't really what we talked about, but it was very much the Holy Spirit goes, you've got to get up and say this now. And um, so, so I did, and then for the next few days, we had a lot of people go, yep, I'm in, I'm going to help, yep, 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 all these yeses, enthusiasm, it was awesome. And, and then a few days after that, people kind of went, oh, I can't. And then I, and then I went back to the Lord and said, this is a really big deal. So if it's a homeschool co-op, right? So with teachers and, um, teachers and parent teaching, learning, um, proper classes like proper chemistry teacher, proper algebra one, algebra two, calculus, trigonometry, those are going to be taught by a proper teacher, uh, certified, degreed people. And then there's going to be other homeschool classes taught by parents. But anyway, it's big. And so I announced it in church and people got excited and, and went, yeah, I'm with you, we're going to go. And then later in the week, some people went, oh, sorry, I, I said that too quick and backed away. So if you know, I'm like with the Lord, like wrestling, going, uh-oh. <laughs> I even said to Jesus, am I going to have to get up in front of the church and, and say, sorry, I was wrong last week, <laughs> and, uh, which I would, right? And um, anyway, so wrestled in prayer, wrestled in prayer, wrestled in prayer. Well, Monday, we had a girl come to just our first meeting as Ten, 10 of us women, and by the way, if you're a man and you, you want to be involved, we really welcome that too, because kids and young people need to see men and godly men and really stepping up to the plate and saying, yes, I'll help disciple you, because discipleship starts with kids, right? And so, so, um, so we had this woman come to my meeting, I haven't seen her in about seven years, I don't, I don't remember how she got my address even, but she turned up into the meeting and goes, I've got a free space for you for a year. Wow, I know, rent-free. So that's, I'm saying, when you say yes to God and you just step up and do it, he just makes a way, right? He just makes a way. And so it's, you've just got to say yes to Jesus. Miracles happen when we just get into his flow and we start to just go, what do you want me to do? I want to hear your voice. I want to respond to what you're doing. And, and I'm going to go and do everything you're asking me to do. I say yes to you, God. And that's worship, right? That's part of our, our obedience is our worship. And so 
And so, just so you know, like, I do have that, those wrestle moments if I get up here and make an announcement and then to go home and want to vomit. <laughs> Jesus, is that going to work? <laughs> so, and uh, it, it's going to work. <laughs> it's going to work because it was his idea and it's his plan and we just give him our hands. When it's our plans, then we have to strive to make it happen. And sometimes we're good at that and make it work and it can look successful, but we are striving and sometimes that creates more religious doing, right? But if we're just the people who listen to his voice and hear, like, hear and obey, Deuteronomy 6 verse 4, the, hear the Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, right? One God. Our hearing and our obeying him and just flowing with everything he's asking us to do. And he takes care of all of the details. And it's not that we don't have work to do, right? We do. But, but he takes care of all of the details. It's like he's just weaving his, like a golden thread through it all. And, and we flow with him, right? learning to flow with the Holy Spirit and live really obediently. So worship is saying yes. Say that. Worship is saying yes. Say this with me, with conviction, if you really mean it. I say yes. Right? Say it again. I say yes. We say yes, Jesus. The cosmic battle from all eternity, from the beginning of Adam and Eve in the garden till now, and actually when Jesus comes again, it'll end because he'll have put Satan down fully forever. But, but the cosmic battle from Adam and Eve in the garden actually predated Adam and Eve in the garden. But for, for our sake, for humanity's sake, it's that Adam and Eve in the garden is God's story. We call it history, his story, right? It's history, but it's really his story. All of humanity, so from Adam and Eve until now, the cosmic battle over the human heart is who will you worship or what will you worship? That's it. You can break down all of Christianity. You can break down all of the um, Old Testament scriptures and, and all of the New Testament scriptures and all of church history since. And it's all the same battle. Every single day you wake up, there's a big question mark over your life. is who will you worship or what? Who being, hopefully, Jesus, right? When Jesus was, um, he'd, he'd just been baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and then was led into the desert by the Holy Spirit, and fasted for 40 days. And he came out hungry, right? But this is what it says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. So from verse 8, I'm reading in NIV. The devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And the devil said, all this I will give you if you would just bow down and worship me. The devil came in to even tempt Jesus off task. Like even tempt Jesus, the Son of God, away from his destiny by putting a shortcut to the destiny. A shortcut. Look, I know you've come to give your life and die, but here I've got a shortcut. If you just worship me, if you bow down and worship me, I'll just give you all the kingdoms that you've come to win back. The temptation would have been huge. And Jesus had been fasting and was literally like fasting for 40 days, weak and broken in his body. If you've ever fasted, you understand what it means to be very weak and broken in your body. Temptation to eat food is strong. <laughs> and, and so, or the temptation to give in to things is strong. All right, so when he said, so when Jesus said, Jesus said, so Satan, the devil, if you will bow down and worship me, I'll give you everything. Verse 10 says, 
Jesus said to the devil, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Serve the Lord God only is saying yes to God every single day. And so over our lives, if there's just this very determined, intentional, I'm going to wake up every day and with the first breath that I'm aware of, I breathe it in because breathing in the Holy Spirit, right? He's with you all the time. So, so breathe in and go, that's right, another day I get to say yes to you, God. Another day I get to honor you, follow you, obey you, love you, worship, sing to you, be your hands and mouth and feet. Take me where you want me to go, God, because I want to bring the word of God into everybody's life around about me, speaking and demonstrating the kingdom of God everywhere we go. If you keep saying yes to God like that, miracles will follow your life every single day. Every single day. And it's not, um, I started, we started mentioning last week just what practical cessationism is, and I just want to bring it up again. Many of the church world believe that the Holy Spirit stopped being active or even left and went back to heaven once, once the New Testament, the Bible was either given and given into canon or even some believe it was before that. They just believe once the, the 12 disciples died, the Holy Spirit went back to heaven. Now, the Bible doesn't say that anywhere. <laughs> the Bible does not say that he left, but the Bible does not say that the Holy Spirit ceased. But the, the way of thinking is called cessationism. In a church, in many churches in America, still live that, or they talk about the Holy Spirit, but but so there's the talk, like, which becomes rhetoric when there's no actually uh, practice of being filled with the Holy Spirit, the practice of getting people filled, baptized, praying in tongues, teaching them how to be prophetic, teaching them how to lay hands on the sick, right? And so, so even when churches might talk about the Holy Spirit, but there's not a constant, deliberate, this is who the Holy Spirit is. He's your best friend. He wants to do life with you. Here's how to love him. Here's how he loves you. Right? When there's not that constant practice of allowing the Holy Spirit to be God and be Lord in the church and Lord, like deciding what happens in the church, deciding what happens in my life. That way of living is called practical cessationism. Does that mean, does that make sense? So it's like there's the conversation about the Holy Spirit, but no action, no practice, Right. Setting that up a little bit so you understand what it means then to really keep saying yes. If you, if as a believer, if we don't have this ongoing relationship with Holy Spirit, because He's the one who's present with us now through Jesus, through what Jesus did, because Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father, it is the Holy Spirit who's our Emmanuel now, seated with us now, filling my heart, your heart filling all around about us, the space in between, right, and leading us every single day, guiding us every single day. It is the Holy Spirit who's with us. And the Word of God says that the Holy Spirit is Lord, and He is Lord in the church, and Lord over our lives. And when we understand what that means, it's easy for us to then get up and just say yes to Him every single day, because He is God. Like, imagine this, right? Or don't, you don't have to imagine, because it's our reality. God loves you so much that he makes your heart his home. Like that's, that's got to rock you. It's got to rock you that the king of heaven, the Lord of all who created everything, loves you so much and dignifies your heart and your life by making your heart his home. Dwells with you, in you, wants to be your friend, wants to live with you, lead you every day, speak to you, 
have in-jokes with you. Like you have a best friend and you might have in-jokes. The Holy Spirit will do that. He's, he's that personable. He's that, um, he wants to have that deep uh, level of relationship where you just have an ongoing conversation. The more you keep saying yes in your everyday, the more that becomes your reality. The more you just get up every day and go, yes, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today? The more this becomes your reality. So I want to talk, uh, actually I'm going to read this Bible verse and then we're going to start, I'm going to talk about Abraham a little bit, right? But Jesus said this, and I love this, in John 14, 21. Um, Jesus said, the one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. I'm going to read it again, but I'm going to make it sound like the Amplified. It's the one who intimately, passionately loves me with everything they are. <laughs> loves me and he will be loved by my Father. And I too will love them and show myself to them. The Greek word for show myself is emphanazo, em, emphanizo. What it means is to literally turn up into a person's life in a very, very real way. Like turn up in, in person, the personhood right, to turn up and make yourself known, manifestly known, so that there's an experience with God. And so, and so to be people who are filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized with the Holy Spirit, we have an experience with God. It is, we have an experiential faith. We don't live by our feelings, but our feelings, when they're lined up with who God is, they certainly do display His glory in a very good way, right? But when, when, we, when we understand, like, like the Bible is full of people who had experience after experience after experience after experience with God. Like, you cannot think that this is just for you to read about someone else's stories and allow it then to be just come your, like, ethical yardstick for life. There's good ethics in here. There is amazing uh, business strategy in here. And people can create great businesses and success around their life if they follow the ethical standards in this Bible. But it's so much more than just that. And those are good things. But it's so much more. The experiences that you read about in here are supposed to be our experiences. The, the faith experience with Jesus Christ, the baptism of the Holy Spirit with Holy Spirit filling us is a lived, present, real experience You'll feel it physically, you might feel it internally, you might hear stuff happening. All of your senses, we've been given incredible senses so that we understand what it means to, be, to, to have this experience. And that's that John uh, 14 verse, is that, is the M, I will make myself known to you. So I understand that some people are like, well, I'm just turning up by faith because I haven't had that experience yet. I do understand that. But I want to say, keep turning up. <laughs> like, keep turning up, keep turning up. Because of Abraham, we'll start reading in a minute. Abraham, by faith, turned up. And so sometimes you're like, I hear of other people having big experiences, but that's not my story yet. Keep reading Scripture and keep turning up. Because God promises to make himself to known to those people who diligently seek him. He promises it in his word. And this is truth, right? This is the thing that's unchanging. Unchanging. Everything else around us changes every single day. There's different news that contradicts other news. And there's propaganda all over the place, right? The world, that world is confusing. But this is not. This, God never lies. His truth doesn't change. And this is the rock we build our life on, right? Is Because Jesus said... Jesus is the rock. 
And Jesus is also the word. And this is the word. So this is the rock. This is what we build our firm foundation upon the rock, which is Jesus Christ. But also he is the word. We build our lives on the word of God, unchanging, uncompromisingly. Like set your heart and your eyes like flint on who God is and what he says about who he is, his identity, and then about who you are. And then you can keep saying yes to everything he ever asks you. The yes to God is a life of obedience, right? It really is. And, and, and I do say this, if you just keep being someone, and even if you say, I just need some help sometimes, he's good for that too. Holy Spirit is in you to empower you into saying yes every day. Like we don't even, the things that God asks us to do, he asks us to be pure. He asks us to be fully devoted to him. He asks us to not sin. How do we not sin? Well, only because we've been so fully changed by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit lives inside us and the Holy Spirit is God, but he is all powerful. And so he empowers us to get up and do every single thing God is asking us to do. And so I like, I like this example. Um, um, who's in the military or been in the military? Because we have quite a few. So I forgot you were in the military. I love that. Women, strong. So, <laughs> having a moment. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I think the military example, yeah, another military back over here behind you. <laughs> Jenna was in the military too. So, um, not, th- not that I'm... <laughs> so, so I, I understand this, because I think it, it, people who've been in the military really understand this, but even the people who have not still understand what it means. What job you are given in the military, the government gives you every single thing you need to go do that job. Like you're not told, okay, go fly a plane (laughs) and just given the plane and the keys and go. You're given all the training you need. You're given the plane, you're given the gasoline, you're given the the flight suit, you're given the helmet. What did you do in the military? Electrician. So you were trained in electrician and you're given all the tools to be the electrician, right? And so if I, was, if I was to stand here and ask the other military people, every single thing you need by the, mil- by the government is given to you to do your job in the military. Well, it's the same with God. What you're called to do, he's given you every single thing you need. There's nothing you lack to follow him. There's nothing you lack if you're just going to say yes to him and stand up and say yes. And even if it's a yes, but help. <laughs> like, and I've done that. I did that. I, I stood up here and went, we're starting a school. And then went back to my prayer closet and went, oh, God, help. <laughs> and then we got a free building. <laughs> so every single thing he asks you to do, if you just say yes, he has given you every single thing you need. All of the power and all of the tools and all of the resources and people around about you that might need to come and be part and plant their gifting in with you are going to be there because he is God. He knows all things. He knows who's going to turn up to help you. He knows who's going to turn up and really be support. So we can say yes very, very confidently knowing we have a good father who will not let us down. And if he's asking you to do something, it's because he's inviting you to get to know his goodness and his faithfulness, right? And so some people don't say yes because they haven't known that he's a good father and they haven't known that he's faithful and he doesn't change. He doesn't change. He is good. God is good. He's really good. He wants to build a track record with you so that you know you can trust him no matter what he asks. A track record of trust. Do you understand? So I should start reading some more Bible. (laughs) Hang on. You know what? We'll do this. I mean, if you have your Bibles, open up to... um, 
I went up to Genesis. Chapter 12. So Abraham, Abraham was called, um, actually, so, so right, if I start talking about the Tower of Babel and Nimrod, right, Tower of Babel, Nimrod was the leader of the people of the world and he was building a tower to say, I'm going to be like God and we're going to reach God. And God came down and went, no, you're not. <laughs> you're just people, <laughs> powerless without me to begin with. So he, he, um, he split up the people groups into 70 nations and split up their languages. Abraham is alive during this time. And in Genesis chapter 12, we just break into the very beginning where God meets Abraham. Oh, thanks. Oh, you rock. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. I need, my husband always laughs at me. He's like, why do you need two pulpits? <laughs> I just need a big table. Um, this is, yeah, anyway. So, so, so chapter 12, verse, uh, verse 1. So the Lord literally appears, like I told you, from the John uh, chapter 14 verse where Jesus said, he who loves me will be loved by me, Jesus, and my Father, and we will come and make ourselves known and finizo to them. God will come and make himself known in an experiential way. This is what he's doing to Abraham in chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram at that time, Abram before he became Abraham, right? Abram was his name. Ab, as father, Ram means excellent or exalted one. Abram was his name. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The last portion of that verse is, so Abraham went. That's it. So Abraham went. (laughs) Abraham said yes. (laughs) He just, like God turned up. And made a, made a promise, and Abraham went, go, okay, God, I'm going with you, God. <laughs> left, left. Everything he knew, everything he knew. Here is three things that what we don't understand in a Western culture. With the ancient Near East culture, ancient Near East culture, understands three things from this. Land, a person's livelihood in their life and their family is connected to the land. God is saying, get up. Like, uproot yourself out of the land that you've been born in and follow me to a new place. But the land was part of the person's identity and everything about their identity was connected to that and God was calling Abraham out to a new place. The second thing is family. Abraham was being called to leave his father who was Terah and another brother he had called Haran who'd already died at this time. But Abraham was being asked to leave his family. So he's being called to leave his land, the place of where he was born, and to leave his father. Now, what would come with fatherhood, the father is the third thing, inheritance. Abraham, by leaving terror behind his father and walking with this one now called God, saying yes to God, meant he was leaving his inheritance as well. And that's also a huge thing to do in, when considering the ancient Near East and, and how they just did life and family and the culture. And so, so Abraham's like, just a small little promise from God, come with me and I'm going to make something new of you, right? God is, I'm going to make a blessing, I'm going to bless your life, I'm going to do something new in your life. Abraham just got up and left quickly. Abraham was 75 years old, <laughs> so which is mind-blowing, right? 
Um, and so he picked up his family and he had also a, a, a nephew came with him, Lot. Some of you know the story of Lot. So he left and, and just followed. And, and as he journeyed on through to what we now know as the promised land, what happened was God did this. In a couple of verses later, although it's, it's, a, it's a bit of time has passed, a couple of verses later, Genesis chapter 12, verse 6 and 7, God appears to him again, literally appears, all right? He said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there. And this was the beginning of the Hebrew practice of building altars. And the altar at that point was the time where they would build an altar which represented worship, which represented, I am now standing here because I want to have an experience with you. And when we, with our hearts, plant our lives and it's the altar on our heart now, right, we say, I want to experience you. And when we lift our hands to worship, we start to experience God like that too. And Abraham started that. Anyway, so, okay, I want to read through really quickly a couple more. Abraham, Abraham, this is the beginning of his journey of faith with God. This is the beginning of his journey of saying, yes, even though he didn't have all of the picture laid out before him, right? Genesis 14, Melchizedek appears and blesses Abraham. Melchizedek is, um, some scholars say it wasn't a type, it was like a type of Jesus, but an actual literal king at the time. Other scholars, and I actually agree with this, other scholars say it was actually Jesus because Melchizedek is also the king of peace, right? We can read it in the New Testament, He's the, and Jesus is the king of peace. The king of Salem means the king of Jerusalem. So Jesus himself is who I think is, 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 is this here. So, and that's okay, by the way, just because you might read like a lot of com- commentaries doesn't mean you have to drop what you might have revelation on because you're giving away your own authority then to some commentator. Just keep reading. Keep staying curious. Keep learning, right? Right. Okay, so Genesis 15. Here's another appearance, like Emphanizo, appearance. Genesis 15. The whole chapter records like a very long conversation Abraham is having with God. Like they're, they're talking back and forth like you would with a friend. Like, like I have, you know, breakfast with my husband or lunch, dinner with my husband. We just have a conversation. Genesis 15 records that conversation. And at one point, Abraham falls asleep and God renews the covenant. Okay? Genesis 17. Abraham is now 99 years old. And the Lord appears again. This time, he renames Abram, which is father, Ab, Ram, which is exalted father. And he puts the in the middle. And the, the Hebrew word for is multitude. So now it's exalted father of a multitude of people and nations, a people group. And the also is like the breath of God because it's the Holy Spirit in him. Even in the Old Testament, Please understand, we think that they didn't have the Holy Spirit and there wasn't a lot of grace because we've been taught a bit wrongly about that. They really did have a lot of grace. They had a lot of ability. They had, the Holy Spirit did empower. They had a lot of prophets in the Old Testament, okay? All right, uh, Genesis 18. Oh, Sarah also had her name. She had the added, it was Sarai to Sarah. So Genesis 18, the Lord visits accompanied by two angels. Now, this is the Sodom and Gomorrah story. So the Lord visits Abraham again and turns up with two like war, war angels because they're about to go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And so they have a meal together. And, and so Abraham, please understand, this is, 
our own lives can look like this and the experience that we're to have with the Holy Spirit is, can be like this. Abraham's having a literal meal with the God of heaven who's appeared to him and having a meal and two angels are there and they're having conversations. Then the two angels get up, resolve. The chapter says the resolve in their heart was to go do the plan of God. But Abraham goes, oh my gosh. The angels walk away and Abraham goes, wait God, you can't kill the two cities, you can't, what if there's a righteous person in the city? Abraham understood something by that time. He'd been following, because 75 to 99 years old, he was maybe about 100 at this time, so 25 years of following the Lord. He now knew the Lord well enough that he knew he could, re- he could reason with God. He knew he could talk God down. What if there's a righteous person in the city, God? Five, ten, what if there's just, so, you understand what I'm saying? So, and his nephew, Lot, I'm getting off track, but Lot was in the city and and God did rescue out Lot and Lot's family. So Abraham had walked into this relationship with God through a series of just, God just kept appearing. God, so here's why I'm wanting to highlight this is God is the one who takes initiative in our heart to draw us to faith, to draw us into friendship with him. He takes the initiative. He did it with Abraham. I can read in Genesis 21, Um, God spoke again, and this time it was about um, to Abraham, and um, Abraham had had Ishmael. He tried to um, have Ishmael and make God's promise happen before Isaac came along, right? So he's like, God's given me this promise. I'm getting really old. It's not working out. You know, Sarah brings her servant, concubine, becomes Hagar, the mother of Ishmael, but God comes and says, that's not the promise. You were trying to make it happen. I want the promise is going to come through Abraham and your wife, Sarah. It's why her name was changed from Sarai to Sarah. Ah, the the breath again, right? And And so God at that time was like, I am still going to look after Hagar and Ishmael but you've got to listen to me, you've got to be obedient to me. And so he, they, had, they sent Ish, um, Hagar off, which is a heartbreaking story, actually. I kind of weep over that because, because there's human pain. You know, we think we live with pain now. They live with just all the kinds of same kind of pain that we do today, right? And it's all in the Bible. God doesn't hide any of it from us because he wants to know that even in the pain, he's always there with us, right? So it doesn't even hide. Um, if you look at Abraham's life, Abraham twice gave his wife away, <laughs> to, once to the Pharaoh of Egypt, the king of Egypt, and a second time to a king called Abimelech to save his own neck. <laughs> so Abraham was the friend of God. He was called the friend of God, but still did some really dumb, dumb things. I'm saying that so you can understand. I'm standing before you. I've done really dumb things, and I'm sure all of you in this room, if we were to start asking, talking, you'd be like, yeah, I sometimes follow God really well. Sometimes I fall over. Sometimes I'm really full of faith one Sunday to the next, right? I'm really full of faith one Sunday. Then you walk in the next Sunday really tired and dragging because you just had a tough week and you feel like rotten. But God's aware of our humanity. We're not robots. God's so aware of who we are. He's so aware of our humanity. In fact, Jesus lived as a man so that he could experience it in that sense. So he knows everything that you think, everything that you feel, everything that you've been tempted with or struggled with has been thrown at him too, by the way, so that he knows how to intercede for you and me. He's in heaven right now. The Bible says he's in heaven, interceding for you, praying for you, praying, like literally, like, okay, Michelle, like every day when, when Michelle's waking up, Jesus is there again, come on, Michelle, you can do it. 
Come on, Michelle, you can do it. I know you've got this, right? I mean, you just got a new house, right? So, okay, Michelle, I'm like working on the details on your house. He's literally knows all of the situation in your life. And the things that we might struggle with and the things that we might carry in worry in our thinking can be fully yielded off to him. And, and so that we don't wrestle in it. We wrestle in prayer. That's the right place. That's it. But don't wrestle in our thinking and our heart and striving. We don't have to do any of that. As Jesus is praying for us now, and he's praying for us that we would continually just keep saying yes to him, right? So Abraham, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't perfect at all. I love this. I love this. So there's a couple of, there's a couple of words. So, you know, Abraham, the, from Abram to Abraham, um, the was added to make it Abraham. Part of it was this. There's a couple of Greek words, but philos, sometimes it's pronounced a little differently because, you know, we have in our English words, we might have a word that might change from these or them. They have the same kind of changes in some of the Greek words. So philos, though. Theo, which is God. Philos, which means friend of God. Abraham was a friend of God. And so the was added in. He became the friend because he kept saying yes. But the other part to this is um, Abraham's name, Ab, the root word of Ab is father. But the Greek for that is patros, right? In the Greek te- in New Testament, when we read the patros or the philos, which is the love of the father, Abraham today is our father spiritually, even though he was the father of an ethnic group then, those that still believe today by faith in Jesus Christ were invited into the same family and we, like Abraham, become God's friend, Theophilus, which is his name in Acts, by the way. The book of Acts is written to dear Theophilus. So is the book of Luke, by the way, the first little, hey, dear Theophilus, dear, could have been a person, it was a common name, but it also means friend of God. Abraham got that revelation he goes, Abraham understood. I've become a friend of God because I've just kept saying yes to God. And so what could be said of his life is Theophilus. He had that revelation. And the revelation of even that through his own life, God could have his way to such an extent that nations would be blessed through his life. Not just the one nation, but every nation, right? And so the Patros Philos became part the... in. So it's Abraham, exalted father of a multitude. Because he kept saying yes. I'm like, you know, what, imagine if we just, in this room, if every one of us determined in our heart to be people who for the rest of our whole life, from today until the day we actually meet Jesus in person, we are the kind of people who just go, I'm going to say yes to you every single day, God. Imagine, imagine what we could do. Like, like literally, it doesn't take many people to change a nation. And really to bring justice and mercy and righteousness into a nation. It does not take many people, but it does take brave people. And the brave ones are the ones who say yes to God. Um, Reginald, you did say at the beginning, uh, it actually can be really hard following God. And I, I really, I, I, saying yes to God is what is really hard. Because to say yes to God means you open yourself up to be misunderstood or misinterpreted. Um, and people who are maybe family and friends who aren't even believers and they don't understand why you're making the decisions that you're making, or even often believers don't understand and they become critics. And that is gross manipulation. We're not going to do that, right? We're going to be people who just understand every one of us has a calling. 
And if we can be people who get up every single day saying, yes, I'm going to follow, I'm going to walk in my calling, my God-designed calling, not something I make up on my own. I'm going to, walk up in, I'm going to wake up and walk in my God calling, saying yes to God. It comes with the misunderstanding from people, but it comes with the incredible favor of God over your life, and miracles will follow your life. So I'll tell you a few of mine. Um, um, so I don't know who knows this. I don't know that I've be, I'm Australian. Can't tell. <laughs> so, um, but but in Australia, I was living in Australia, and um, my husband Clayton, who by the way, sorry, I should have said at the beginning, he's he's taken he's uh, gone camping with one of my sons for two days. So um, so my husband Clayton was working in Australia, and we met in church. Best place to meet your spouse <laughs> in a prayer meeting or a worship meeting, I reckon. Anyway, so we met in church and um, uh, we started, we were friends for a long time because I was like, I am not going to live in America. <laughs> True story. Anyway, so, but um, 18 months went by and um, I had just, uh, my, I just had a Bible study that just kept growing and growing and multiplying and multiplying, raising up new leaders. I ended up having to give one of the groups off to him, but um, I became a pastor in a church that we'd planted and um, we had a senior pastor couple, but I was a single girl, so it was easier, like a staff pastor, right? Anyway, it started in my lounge room and with Clayton. <laughs> and um, so we, um, we got to know each other really well because you're doing ministry together, side by side, rubbing shoulders. You get to know a person really quickly in a prayer meeting. It's, it's great because <laughs> you can go, yeah, I don't think they really pray. <laughs> Going to go over here. <laughs> or, oh my gosh. This person's really beautifully honest and really beautifully loves the Lord, and they really do pray, and they really have a heart after the Lord. It sorted out really quickly in a prayer meeting. <laughs> so, um, so that's what happened. I just fell in love with this man, and um, I'm grateful today. Like, he's just a man of great integrity. Like, really, like, I'd, I, I, I had not met a man, um, you know, that I that would be someone I could think of I might marry um, that, that was as integrous and just so beautifully loyal and honouring and, and so fell in love with him. And that became awkward because I was like, oh, I don't want to live in America. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, he brought me over here to meet his parents on one trip and it was great. I just walked around the city and I started getting a sense that was 1998. I walked around the city and I got a sense of, oh my gosh, God, you're going to pour out revival here, real revival here. And so I was in the city for six or seven weeks. I just walked the streets and prayed and prayed and got a felt. I visited as many churches as I could because I was like, I've got to get a feel for that too, right? Anyway, went back to Australia. Life is great. I'm a, I'm a pastor. We're serving in church. Clayton's got a contract that he's fulfilling in basketball. And um, then we get married and then we come back for our second visit. And the second visit, I walked into the doors of a church here in Virginia Beach. And the Lord, I hadn't met anybody in the church. Like, I just put my hand on the door, like, if that's the handle, grab the handle, like, touch it. As soon as I touched it internally, my whole internal, my spirit just shook. And it's like, because sometimes the Lord will do that to get your attention, right? It was like a shaking that was so strong, I had to pay attention. And the Lord goes, this will be your church just like that. And I went, I have one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, no, I, I, was, I, I, I listened willingly, right? So, this will be your church. And that was 1999, and we just got married, and he had just signed another contract to play, because he was a professional basketballer. So, he'd just signed another contract, 
And I was like, I guess you'll make timing, you'll open a way. I, I knew by then I can trust his timing, I don't have to strive. So that was 1999. So we're on vacation, we visit church, this church, and then the Lord starts going, um, stirring more stuff with me, with the divine connection that he was making with this church. We still don't know them, they're just we're little people in the back right? But I'm just listening to the Holy Spirit. A year later, we're back in Australia, right? But a year later, we're coming for our third trip and the Lord goes, pack up everything you want to bring because you're never going back to Australia. So, so my third trip here was in 2000 and Clayton was looking for another uh, contract and he was looking in Australia and Portugal and a few European places. And so um, uh, we were coming on vacation again. So he thought, so my parents thought, everybody, nobody knew except the Lord had said to me, everything that's precious, bring it, because you're not going back to Australia. <laughs> so, so I did, I packed, because Clay, literally Clayton thought we were coming back for our stuff, <laughs> all the wedding presents, because they hadn't even been unwrapped. <laughs> so, so I'm like, one suitcase... One of the most weird things that I laugh at today because Clayton was like, why are you bringing that? We're coming back in a couple of weeks. I'm like, yeah, I know. Just precious. <laughs> I couldn't tell him because if I was to tell him, actually, we're moving to America and you're gonna, you're gonna, that means you have to retire from basketball. If that came from my lips to his heart and, and, I was, and, and that failed, that went south, I, I tank. And I'm responsible for that tanking, right? And so I just went, I just went, I knew, before, I knew between me and the Lord, I knew that the timing would happen where he'd speak it to my husband's heart. Anyway, so I, I one suitcase, and we're like scooting down Sydney Airport, right? It's a really long, the airstrip. And I burst into, before the plane takes off in the sky, I burst into tears. Clayton's <laughs> like, we'll be back in a few weeks. You're <laughs> okay. I was like, I know, I know. Miss my dog. Something like <laughs> Just trying to like change, like distract myself from the emotional because it's big, right? I'm leaving Australia, maybe never to come back again with one suitcase. Anyway, so um, distract myself, but also distract so I don't have to really go deep and tell him because I was waiting on God to tell him. So we get back here, and um, with one suitcase, we're staying at Clayton's mum and dad's house. And just volunteering in the church that he told me would be mine, and I still haven't said anything to him or anyone volunteering, turning up, cleaning toilets, whatever you do, right? And, and, um, and the Lord goes, by the end of summer, they're going to have put you on staff. And I'm like, they don't even know my name. <laughs> so, and so, anyway, and, and Clayton thinks, Clayton's like shopping himself out to Portugal. <laughs> so, and there's a really nice beach in the house they've offered us. <laughs> so, true story, true story. But, but I was like, whatever you want, God. Anyway, um, so I'm just cleaning toilets and answering phones. And I answer the phone. It was Clayton. And he, and he called into the church office. And um, he goes, hey, I've just, I hope this is okay with you. But I've just fired my agent, his sport man, sports manager. And so I dropped the phone and went, yes, yeah, started jumping and then, and then went, just cried and cried and cried because now it really was permanent, right? Does that make sense? Have I laid this story out for you? Because it was, it was over a course of a couple of years, but the Lord really just said, one, like, one suitcase move, go. And, and sure enough, one month later, after, after Clayton let go of his manager, 
this church put us on staff. <laughs> so, and they still didn't know us, which I find really funny. But God knew us and God had a plan. And so my job, your job, Clayton's, our, all of it, collective, just keep saying yes to God. He will tell you everything you need for every day, big or small. All, any assignment, like the small assignments that he gives you and there's big assignments that he gives you, right? But all of it, if you just keep saying yes, every single thing you need all the time will be yours through the Holy Spirit who's in you, on you, all around about you, who is God, who is all-powerful and knows everything at all times, right? And so he will help you do every single thing you need at any moment. I'm just going to finish by reading this. 2 Corinthians 1.20 in the NIV again. Right, so verse 20 says, for no matter how many promises God has made, because God is the promising God, right? He's the promising God and he's the God who fulfills his promises, right? So no matter how many promises God, God has made, they are yes in Christ. So through him, the amen is spoken by us. So if you can understand why I'm using this verse here is he has said yes to your life. His, Jesus is dying on the cross for you and rising from the dead again for you was so that you could be brought back into relationship with God, right? And so every, all the power of all sin, all sickness, all death, it's all completely broken off your life because of the work that Christ did. And that is God saying yes to you. So he doesn't look at you through any filter of shame or pain. He doesn't look at you through any um, filter of brokenness or failure. We do that to ourselves. And a good amount of really awful religious people do it too. Well, we're not going to do it here, right? So the amen, the, the, sorry, the yes out of heaven over your life. So Jesus, the Father out of the Father's heart is yes, yes, like yes over your life so that your heart can then say yes back to his in the first place. He takes the initiative with this. He doesn't ask us to do things that he hasn't empowered us to doing in the first place. So it's the, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ and so through him the amen is spoken by us. So we say amen. And our, our amening is saying yes to his saying yes to us. So, so he's saying yes to your life because he loves you. The Father loves the whole world. Sent his son into the, world, into, into the world to die for the world because he loved the whole world. His yes over your life, we say amen back to that amen is us saying yes. It's the reciprocal. He says yes, we say yes, right? The next part of that just says that now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. As you, like the Holy Spirit in you is the guarantee that God has so much more for you here now and in eternity. It's both. The word says that I, in, David said, I am confident of this. I will see in the goodness of God in the land of the living. So even the here and now, we get to see amazing things from God. The guarantee is the Holy Spirit's in us, the life of Christ in us, the resurrection life blowing up in us as we just grow and become more like Christ here on the earth, experiencing his goodness. But even then more in eternity, right? So it's the both. It's the here and now. The deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Like, 
What time is it? Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just ask if there's people in the room. Um, let's give people some privacy, all right? So if you want to just, um, yeah, just give your neighbour some privacy. You can close your eyes if you want. If you want to bow your head, you can. But uh, just give the person next to you some privacy. I want to give an invitation here to people who uh, want to say yes to the Lord, maybe for the first time. Maybe you're like, what have I just walked into here today? Right? And so it's your first experience in a church like this. Um, others, maybe you were raised in church, but you haven't made the faith decision yourself to really say, I'm all in with you, Jesus. I was raised hearing this stuff, but I hadn't made that decision yet. Or maybe you're, maybe you're just wanting to say a great big yes because there's been some, you recognize there's been a little bit of hardening or a little bit of coldness come upon your heart, right? So you're repenting of that and saying yes to Jesus this morning. You see, Jesus Christ came and lived as a man. For the three and a half years, did ministry as a man, but full of the Holy Spirit, to show us how we can do ministry full of the Holy Spirit. Then he died on the cross, a very brutal, brutal death, went to hell and preached the gospel down there, and then the power of the Holy Spirit raised him to new life again. And through Jesus Christ, we have new life. Through Jesus Christ, we have a resurrection of life on the inside of us. Through Jesus Christ, we now have been brought into the new covenant. And so we have been given a new heart, a heart to really love God, a heart that can really follow the Lord and say yes to the Lord every single day. And so Jesus died so that we could live with him. And so I just want to ask, if you want to say yes to the Lord, can you just wave your hand at me this morning? So awesome. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So thank you. Far out. Thank you. So we're just saying yes. We're saying yes, right? It is the great big yes out of our heart. And um, all right. I'm going to do this. I'm I'm going to pray two prayers. And they're for two different groups of people in the room right now, all right? But just pray with me, like lift your voice and repeat the prayer with me and pray because some people are praying this as because they've responded in this moment. But add your voice because that really encourages them, right? Say, say this, say, Jesus, thank you that you died for me. I give you my life. I confess that I was a sinner. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you that you raised me up. Thank you for the power of the cross. Thank you for the power of your blood. Thank you for the power of your name. Jesus, help me. I want to live for you. So I say yes to you. All right, this is the second prayer, all right? Keep praying with me. Say, okay, say, Jesus, we say yes to you. We give you our lives. We don't hold anything back from you. We are saying an absolute yes to your absolute yes over our lives. Thank you that you're a good father. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you fill me with the Holy Spirit. Help me to live in the full revelation of what it means to be someone filled with the Holy Spirit, to be receiving revelation, to hear your voice. And respond to your voice every day so we can say yes to everything you want every single day. Yeah, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.
say, he's just, he's worth it. I, I, I actually really want to respect people's time. I have, my, my, my life is a story after story after story after story of miracle provision, of um, people provision. I told you just from last week, the free, free building for our school for a year. Like, miracle provision from heaven is our normal. It's supposed to be our normal. So I've had... Not today, but I'll tell you really quickly, I've had miracle provision of food turn up to my house because we had no money to feed my three tiny kids and I'm sitting with an empty fridge and an empty cupboard and going, what am I going to feed my kids today, God? You, I am obeying you. You asked me to do this, I'm doing this, but now I have no food for my kids. And, and, and people turned up with food. Twice that's happened. I've had times where he's asked me to give everything that I had left in my bank account and it meant no Christmas for my kids and no ability to pay a mortgage and no ability to uh, pay electric bills. And, and the moment I let the money and, and, pay, and, and gave it to this place that he told me to, within, within one month after that, he had given me more than 10 times back and I had amazing, the best Christmas I'd had with my kids ever. <laughs> so I, 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 I'm really trying to encourage you, saying yes to him is the obedience. It is our life of worship to him. He will make a way. He will provide for you. He will protect you, whether it's physical protection or spiritual protection or relational protection. He will give you everything you need. I really, it's, it's, it's how I live. And so I'm pleading with you today. I, as someone, I, I can stand in front of you and say, he has met my need every single time, whether it's been financial. Just because I keep saying yes, I'm really asking you, like determine, say yes, keep saying yes, keep saying yes, keep saying yes every day. Amen? Amen. All right. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com. 